guarantee you, if if you went if you went to those players and say, hey fellas, if we play these two games, you will get cost of attendance. I guarantee you the decision will be unanimous. Coach, let's play them. Let's play them. Right. Because the, the athletes are actually benefiting from it. But but it, it's a double edge, it's a two-edged sword. Uh even though you you playing those games to, to help those kids uh with the cost of attendance, you still put them out there. And 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 AD was right. You still doing you still do it, it's just doing it another way. You still doing the exact same thing. Well, I, I did answer yes to it when when he posed that question. Yeah. Uh, but then I, I think I came with some out of the uh, uh out of the field. Uh, remark behind it because <laughs> basically I said, you know, hey, a thousand dollars versus a hundred, I'm gonna take the thousand, but yes, I'm still uh taking one for the team. I think I believe it is that. Um, but right. but cost of but cost of attendance comparable <clears throat> to NIL, it can't to me, NIL is quick and short term, cost of attendance is something that could be long term. Uh, Wheeler, can can you compare compare and contrast NIL versus cost of attendance, or is cost of attendance something that should be looked at more of doing it? Because Coach Banks, the director of Southern, um, he, he came on the show and talked about that's what Southern's trying to do for their student athletes. I think cost of attendance has the ability to affect everybody. Whereas NIL is going to affect only those Son. players that are popular that are marketable right. themselves, mm -hmm. like starting right. quarterback, starting running back, your star receiver, or something like that. But yeah. you know, cost of attendance has an opportunity to affect everyone, and so mm -hmm. you know that's that's why the cost of attendance to me outweighs anything that NIL can, can bring to the table. Uh, plus right. the fact that NIL is not, how can I put it, the longevity factor in terms of mm -hmm. NIL is not there, uh, as opposed to the longevity factor in terms of the potential of cost of attendance. So, you know, you're able, to, in my opinion, you're able to cover more ground if you're able to do cost of attendance than you are NIL, which only concerns itself with a certain number, a limited number of players, that sort of thing. Yeah, because because that's interesting because you mentioned quarterbacks and they they're getting those deals, their name recognition, but without those big guys up front. Yeah, I mean, that, I mean, uh, what about all O linemen, D linemen, and these guys uh, are only human. these guys are only human, and at mm -hmm. what point in time? does that doubt or whatever jealousy or whatever it is you want to yep. call it kind of creep in, you know, here, my jersey's getting dirty and, you know, I'm keeping folk up off this guy and he ain't even buy me a burger last week, you know? <laughs> so you know, maybe, I need to, maybe I need to slip and fall on one to kind of <laughs> who, who's in charge. Who's actually in charge up here. And, uh, you know, maybe he'll start to, Share the wealth, or what is saying the Godfather wet my beat, you know. <laughs> you know. So it's, it's something that that kids, you know, kids nowadays they think about those things. Yeah, wow. yeah. So, 
I mean, it, it's something that's something to be thought about. That's for sure. And, and you know, we talked about it before, guys. And, and I will say this: I, I think it's um, it's a tough job, a director of athletics. I mean, they're the CEO of the athletic department. You got to have a good staff uh, put together. <laughs> Yeah. I love my HBCU And boy I love it, love it I love it, love it I love my HBCU And man I hope my team they won one 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 I tune into the HBCU Sports Lab to see if my team won a loss. If they lost, I'm quiet as a mouth. But if they won, she tab. Uh, I'ma do the dab, yeah. Dr. Cavill, he know what he be talking about. Mike and Charles, they know what they be talking about. They compress the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they won a loss. And who the ball? So listen to Professor Yes, sir. Yes, sir. and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. Yes. So, this is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment. We have none other than Charles Bishop ready to go. We should have a good show ready for you. Welcome to episode 371, Inside the HBC Sports Lab Radio Show and Podcast. The show that's covering the sporting HBC diaspora, all things HBC sports, from institutions large and small, from the NEIA to the NCAA. We share insights and information on the HBC sports story of HBC sports. We're coming in from the HBC sports culture, HBC athletic aesthetics to facilitate the story of HBC athletic programs in the business of HBC sports. With that being said, I'm your host, Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, along with my co-host, Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. We're coming from our home studios and sending a signal live, KCH 1230 AM studios with the Texas Radio Hall of Famer, multi-Hall of Famer, Ralph Cooper, in the beautiful home of Texas Southern University. With that being said, that's in Houston, Texas. Charles, how are you doing today? Doing well, Doc. Doing well. We got the cracking back going on. We got SWAT tournament, MEAC tournament getting ready to go. Uh, just finished watching exciting uh, Texas Southern baseball via uh, their YouTube channel, uh, taking down Texas Wesleyan today. So we got a lot of stuff going on. Good win, good win. I heard a 6-5, 3 home run set the tide to close, get ready to close out that game, and they got it done. They got it done, 9-7 today, yeah. All right. Today's episode of Inside HBC Sports Lab is sponsored by THG Agency, LLC. THG Agency is a company that provides sporting and educational consulting and data analytics. Did you get a chance to get your vote in? Yet, I know you got until 9 o'clock, so you might be still studying a little variables, particularly trying to get that game underway for Texas Southern. Have you got your vote in? Uh, for I got it. Week's top 10 for HBCU. I mean, I got it. Uh, HBCU 9, Black College 9. Yeah, got to get my vote in. You know, my head's been down, getting ready for midterm, but got to get my vote in before 9 tonight. <laughs> <laughs> get your vote in. Large yeah. division, a small division, as they call it over there. We call it major division, the same as the large and for Small division, we call it mid division. 
Uh, but I'm interested to see how the votes are. When you look at the major division, I was really excited to see the number of teams that are going into the third week of baseball play with winning records. Or if they're under 500, it's like one game. So that was a nice thing to see, especially with so many of them playing Division One opponents. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I think it helped a lot that you have these classics where they get to play each other. Obviously, it means somebody's going to lose, but it also means somebody's going to win in terms of HBCU. So that's a good thing as well. So I thought that was um, hot off the spot getting into it. Uh, with that being said, uh, coming right off the top, I'll jump on here and then I'll come back and see if there's some news that you want to share as well. Uh, SWAC has some news. It welcomes TIAA as yeah. a new basketball tournament sponsor. Uh, the SWAC has welcomed TIAA, a leading provider of secure retirements and outcome-focused investment solutions as its newest basketball tournament sponsor. The sponsor highlights TIAA's commitment to provide financial well-being to administrators, alumni, communities of HBCUs. Quote, we're excited to welcome TIAA as a new sponsor of the SWAC basketball tournament, end quote, said SWAC Commissioner Dr. Charles McCullough. Quote, TIAA's commitment to financial well-being aligns with our mission of educating and empowering the communities we serve particularly our HBCUs and their alumni. We believe that this partnership will bring valuable resources and opportunities to our administrators and alumni as we look forward to working with TIAA to promote financial security, equity among our communities, end quote. The equity and security, financial security, financial literacy, and past that obviously is extremely important uh, for the African-American community in general, particularly uh, in this case for HBCUs and those extended communities. So uh, that's significant to hear and read. I think that's uh, big time in a lot of ways. In terms of the quote from TIAA's Chief Marketing and Communication Officer, at TIA, quote, our mission is to help all Americans retire with confidence, end quote, said Mickey Onovero, uh, which is significant, and I have a great appreciation for that. He also states, we believe that having access to retirement savings and lifetime income Solutions is a fundamental right for everyone. By partnering with the SWAC, we hope to help administrators, alumni of HBCUs plan for a secure retirement and building better financial futures, end quote. I know you like to make sure that you're taking care of your money, so I think this uh, probably <laughs> control. It does, but I saw I see you. <laughs> a TIA, I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I like this. I like this yeah, partnership. Yeah, my name's person. Like, like, hey. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very much resonated with me. I was like, oh, okay. I like this. Retirement funds. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> Something about that retirement fund. What exactly. else do you got on? Yeah, well, yeah, let's take a look at it. The swag they announced their women's basketball postseason awards uh this afternoon in Alabama State's Ayana Manuel. Uh she was named the player of the year while Jackson State's Angel Jackson uh claimed the defensive player of the year accolades. But then Cookman's Chanel Wilson was tabbed the newcomer of the year, and Texas Southern's Michael Gray was selected the freshman of the year, and Jackson State's Tamika Reed was voted as a swag coach of the year. Let's take a look at their accolades. Emmanuel was a leading scorer in the league uh, during conference play. She averaged 16.9 points per game uh, and she helped Alabama State to a 12-6 and six mark in league play. Angel Jackson was a key defensive presence for Jackson State as they held opponents to the fewest points per game in conference play, 59.1 points per game. She led the conference uh, in blocks per game with 2.4. 
Uh, Wilson, she posted the pressure debut for Bethune Cookman, and she ranked second in the league in scoring with 16.8 points per game. I also chipped in three. 0.1 rebounds and 2.3 assists per outing. And Micah Gray was a key contributor for Texas Southern Lady Tigers offensively. She led the team in scoring with 16.7 points per game. So let's take a look at the All-Swag first team. Ayana Emanuel for Alabama State. T-Line Baller from Jackson State. Diana Rosenthal representing Prairie View A&M. Chanel Wilson from Bethune-Cookman. Jayla Crawford from Alabama State. They round out the All-SWAC first team. All-SWAC second team was Jariah Covington from Jackson State. Amani Free from Alabama A&M. Destiny Brown from Alcorn State. Micah Gray from Texas Southern. And Ellen Horton from Florida A&M round out the All-SWAC second team. So those are your All-SWAC first and second teamers, as well as the players of the year. Good stuff, good stuff, man. Always at the end of the season, it's uh, tremendous to hear those that really separated themselves from other individuals that played the game over this uh, academic year in terms of whatever sport, in this case, men's and women's basketball. Significant there. They did want to give an update pretty much hot off the news. NIA tournament, Tougaloo got it done against Texas A&M, the NIA program there, Texas A&M, Arkansas in that area. Uh, defeated them by 10 points. I think it was 75-65, if I'm not mistaken, in terms of that matchup. Solid victory. They move on. And obviously, this time of the year, that's the name of the game. Survived in advance. Obviously, there it is. In pretty solid fashion. Be interesting to see some of those other matchups on that side. Obviously, you have Langston, Xavier. You could see uh, in the quarterfinal round, if you would, if both teams can get it done, you can see a matchup that would feature um, Xavier and Tougaloo uh, mm-hmm. in, later in that tournament as they're on that side of the bracket in the uh, same quadrant. Uh, when you have Langston, uh, the highest seed of any NIA program, HBCU program, I should say, at number two, and they're on the other side of the bracket. So you would actually have to have a championship game to feature two of the HBCUs facing off on each other. So that would be fascinating. You do have similar on the NCAA Division II side, both on the men's and women's. You have second-round opponents, which would feature HBCU programs. Obviously, Elizabeth City State uh, could face in the second round a team out of the same conference, CIAA, in terms of um, in that matchup. On the men's side, it would be Virginia Union could face off against Winston-Salem State. In a second round, I think in the women's side, it would be against West Virginia State in the second round if you got it done there. Uh, You had two teams coming out of the SIC uh, on the men's side. When you look at it, obviously, it was Tuskegee on the women's side getting it done uh, in the tournament. But on the men's side, you have Miles College and Tuskegee getting in there in that action. So it would be fascinating to see what that looks like. Uh, in terms of those Division II per- tournaments, to give you some updates there, I'm going to shake it back to you uh, to give any other updates that you might want to talk about uh, in terms of some news going on for the day that people should listen to. Well, Doc, I think you touched on it. I think congratulations goes out to uh, Miles Men uh, for taking the SIAC uh, Tournament Championship and the Tuskegee women. Uh, got an opportunity to watch both of them, so you're looking forward to what they can do uh, in this postseason play. Uh, both very tough, very exciting teams who have a shot, you know, to to, to advance uh, uh, beyond uh, just that opening round. So looking forward to what they can get done over there in the Division II tournament. 
Let's get into some of the SWAC MEAC seatings for those uh, that are interested in that. You probably have heard about now, but just in case, at least for the times, and give you that. On the women's side, the number one seed, obviously, as you know, is Jackson State. They face off the eight seed, big win by Grambling State uh, that last night that catapulted them into the number eight seed. So that's a one versus eight, Jackson State and Grambling. Obviously, that rival goes back in a lot of sports in a lot of ways. So fascinating there. Obviously, a tough matchup for Grambling to try to figure it out. But this is term time. Anything could happen. Game number one, uh, which is actually on the same day earlier uh, from that 5.30 p.m. from that game two, is an 11 a.m. game one, which is, features the number two seed on the women's side, Alabama A&M, versus the number seven seed, Arkansas Pine Bluff. A&M probably uh, jumped up as they were tied amongst those five teams. They end up with the second seed. They play Arkansas Pine Bluff. They probably didn't quite live up to expectation this year. So it should be interesting to kind of see how that goes. Uh, you flip to the next day on Tuesday, March 9th. Uh, you have game three, which features a number three Alabama State versus number six Bethune-Cookman at 11 a.m. Uh, you have a game four, uh, which features number four Southern against number five Prairie View. Those teams have split this year. 5.30 should be interesting in that matchup um, in terms of a lot of parity. Makes sense kind of where they tied uh, with all those five teams that finished with the second record, but they fall to four and five in terms of the tiebreaker. Should be interesting there. And then you get in, obviously, uh, Friday and Saturday, 11 a.m., 5.30, which features uh, the winner of those games coming up against each other. And then Saturday at 1 o'clock is the championship. Let me get into the MEAC women. We'll come back and give you the breakdown for the men a little later. But when you talk about that break, bracket, bracket breakdown uh, for the women, if you would, in the MEAC, it's fascinating when you talk about on Wednesday you have number one seed, uh, facing number eight seed South Carolina State at 12 o'clock um, uh, as you go for that. And then the game two on Wednesday is also the women's game, which features Morgan State, the two seed versus number seven, Maryland Eastern Shore. Um, and so you notice there versus they put both the women's games in the morning in regards to their tournament on Wednesday. Then the same thing happens on Thursday where you have two women games uh, in the first session in the morning which would be a number four, North Carolina Central, versus number five, Coppin State. And you have a number three, Howard, uh, versus number six, Delaware State. And those games are at the same time, 12 and 2 p.m. Obviously, those times are Eastern, while the earlier times are gave All these games can be seen on ESPN+. Plus, So you can check those out. We'll come back a little bit later. We'll give you an update, if you would, on the – uh, men's side brackets, how to fall out. We'll get into some discussion of what you're thinking of where these things can fall and who will be in place. It should be an interesting tournament. Let me give you a couple of nuggets before I let you go. This is more in terms on the um, men's side, but the women's side has been pretty close. You get mm -hmm. into uh, what it looks like in terms of some of these matchups. Uh, these games, teams have been competitive especially when you get outside of Jackson State and what they did at the number one seed to some degree, North State. Uh, but check this out. Brian did a fun fact for opening round games played last year. Bartlow Arena, all games went under 130 points with three un under 120. That's 104, 127, 118, and 117, respectively. The margin of victory in those games were four, one, two, 
and five points. Wow. So I'll be looking for the underdogs, the unders, as he said, and the dogs getting plus five points. For those that are into that stuff, obviously we don't uh, tell you where to spend your money, as we just said. TIAA, you talk about the savings. <laughs> Make sure you can only spend what you got. <laughs> I came back and shared this as I started keeping up with this early in the season. I've kind of provided these nuggets here and there, uh, but it stuck with me. After 98 games played on the SWAC men's basketball game, 19 or 19.4% were decided by three points or one possession. 44 or 44.9% were decided by six points or two possessions. And 62 or 63.3% were decided by nine points or three possessions. We're going to take our first break. We'll come back on the other side. We're going to bring in the Hall of Famer, the guru, all everything, Mr. Charlie Neal. And he's going to give us really some insight to break down both of these teams. He's called these games, many of these games, on HBCU GOAT all season long, first-class production for Curtis Simons in terms of what he was able to do as a CEO of HBCU Go, and obviously as the play-by-play, Charlie Neal made it all go and made us all tune in. So we'll be right back on the other side. I can't think of a better person to break it down. So stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. The Cuvée Group is a Florida-based marketing and training consulting firm. We help businesses communicate to their target audience and engage them in conversation. We also help to expand their audiences, which will ultimately result in growth for those organizations. In addition to being a certified constant contact specialist, my colleagues and I are also certified in John Maxwell Leadership Principles. We use these proven principles to conduct workshops, training, and private coaching sessions for individuals and companies looking to take things to the next level. Contact us to schedule a free consultation. Issues today, don't delay, call Cuvay. Since 2002, Empowerment Resources, Inc., a nonprofit organization, has empowered more than 1,500 youth and adults in Duval and surrounding counties. Through its programs, Journey into Womanhood, Girls Mentoring, Life Skills for Teens, and Parenting Education Coaching. To get involved with programs, volunteer, or donate, visit www.empowermentresourcesinc.org. Follow us on social media, facebook.com forward slash empowerment.resources and instagram.com forward slash empowermentjax. It's never too early to plant the seed, to share the tradition, and instill a sense of pride in your HBCU with your little ones. HBCU Pride and Joy Children's Boutique helps you share your school spirit with a wide selection of adorable kids apparel and accessories officially licensed from your favorite HBCU. Visit HBCUPrideJoy.com and follow us on all social media at HBCU Pride Joy on Facebook and Twitter. From novice to aficionado, find yourself here. High quality cigars plus personal customer service. Slowburn is Waco's only mobile cigar lounge featuring a meticulous curated collection of premium cigars. Visit our website www.slowburnwaco.com That's www.slowburnwaco.com Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah. And who the ball? Who the ball? 
So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir. And pay attention, cause he gonna teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville with Inside the HBC Sports Lab. With Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Mike Washington is out on assignment. We have Charles Bishop, but we have none other than Charlie Neal, the legend. Man, I'll yes, be I get to use my top five, Charles, to see what the legend <laughs> says about my top five. <laughs> see what he says. You get an opportunity to get a stamp of approval. <laughs> I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah. I'm doing great. How's everybody? We're doing, doing well. well. We're doing well. well. That's if he doesn't flush it down the toilet. You know, you got those, you know, keep it flush. You know, I, I might get nervous. You'll be all right. I'm sure you, you followed it like you normally follow everything else, Doc. So I know it's going to be nothing but. Oh, yes, uh, sir, I appreciate but, but, but. Yeah. Let's, let's, <laughs> let's get into it. That's right. Then we'll come back and give you a chance to break down some of these teams on the tournament based on what you saw, like, in living color right there. And obviously, people don't realize how much you prep before a game. So there's so much information that you get to put in that you can bring to us that some of us may not quite even realize exists because we come in and get to entertain by what we see. And also, you have fans that are fans. They tend to focus on their team. So whether yeah. the team does well or bad, it's about what their team and not understanding their nuances about the coaches and what other teams are doing the counteract it kind of in like a chess game. With that being said, let me get in this top five real quick and see what you think about this. Okay. This is the women's major division top five rankings. There were two teams that dropped out of this week. Uh, that was Alabama AM, the Bulldogs, so the 14 and 14, 12 and 6, and the Alabama State Hornets. They took tough losses, uh, but they still kept pretty good rankings because of the yeah. tiebreakers all season. But they had stumbled, if you would, big for Grambling because they got Grambling in the tournament, as we said earlier, and the fact that um, it gave a five-way tie for these teams that sat at 12 and 6. Mm -hmm. So who were receiving votes this week? Alabama A&M Bulldogs were at 14 and 14. I said 36 points. Alabama State with 33 points. Morgan State Bears, 17 and 10 with 20 points. Southern Jaguars at 15 points. Let me tell you this before we get into top five. This is a week-to-week -week poll, so it fluctuates based on what teams did in two games over a weekend. And then this last week, obviously, it was like three because the poll comes out Tuesday today, and it right. takes in all those games played of the week. Um, so it doesn't have as much ranking in terms of what a team has to do all year long. It's really focused up and down what a team did for that week. So at number five, we have the Howard Bison. They rebounded after a tough couple of weeks, uh, but they got in play, if you would, in terms of what this looks like. Uh, we have at number five, Prairie View A&M sitting at 15. Um, really, it's number five is Howard Bison sitting at 14 and 13, 44 points, will not rank. At number four, you have the Prairie View A&M Panthers that we talked about that had a solid weekend, big wins, beating their rivals and close strong on the season, sitting at 15 and 14, 12 and 6, to get in that five-way tie. They were not ranked, but they just jumped in at 45 points, 44 points uh, in the top five. Getting those teams that really have been solid, you go to number three, Norfolk State Spartans. They had a tough weekend, surprised everybody with a loss, even though they had clinched uh, that Monday in terms of what took place in the MEAC. Uh, they fall from a two-spot, one spot, 
at 20 and three and six, great overall season, 11 and three, um, 61 points. Bringing us to number two, North Carolina A&T State Aggies, uh, 18 mm. and 11, 12 and six, one first place vote, 72 points. They kind of stumbled down the stretch. They got the benefit that they played their tournament a week early, so they got a win in the tournament when this was last calculated at 72 points. They're moving in and playing at the semifinals, so see what that looks like. But they move up two spots. At number one, Jackson State Tigers. Uh, they had a 10-game win streak, I believe it is, 28-8, 17-1, dominated the SWAC, had that one loss, but they got the revenge, uh, beating Prairie View at home when they clinched uh, the league championship. Six first-place votes, 80 points. Number one ranking. Let's hear it from the crew. Well, I'm going to go with you, Charles. Your quick thoughts, and then we go to Charlie Neal to kind of break it down and solidify what he thinks on the top five. I think you hit the nail on the head. I think when you take a look at the teams uh, that have dropped out, these are the top five elite teams from my perspective, uh, especially when you start taking a look at uh, these uh, regular season tournament champions uh, in Jackson State, Norfolk State. Uh, Norfolk State kind of slipped down the stretch. So I think there's some intrigue once you go into the tournament, especially when you take a look at the top three in the MEAC. Uh, I think Jackson State, there's a couple of intriguing matchups uh, in terms of teams that I think can challenge Jackson State, but I think you hit the nail on the head in terms of this uh, top five. Man, you just being nice talking about there's a couple of teams that can challenge Jackson State. And I should let me stand corrected, 14 wins for Jackson State. I was going to say, uh, yeah. Close out but, the regular season. Yeah. Charlie Neal, what are your thoughts on the, the top five? Uh, well, one of the things you left Morgan State out of your list. Yeah, I had them receiving votes, but they were out of the top five. They fell out. You're right. Uh, and the only reason I say that is because I know they they stumbled toward the end. They started the season. Right. They were nine and zero, and they were uh, hot. They were very hot, mm -hmm. and all of a sudden they kind of uh, ta tapered off. Uh, not a good time to be tapering off as you get ready. <laughs> to turn. So that's one of the things mm -hmm. you always are concerned about. But one of the things that I always impressed me about Jackson State this year, the women's side especially, is if you look at the, the top 25 power five rankings, they played mm -hmm. for the doing the doing the pro pre-conference play. They mm -hmm. played some of those for those schools that are ranked in the top 25 right now. And so when you look at that and and the fact that, you know, they didn't get beat up, they got beat, but they didn't get beat up uh, when they played those teams. And that's that's the difference, you know. Uh, you don't expect them to beat the South Carolinas, or the, but look at what they did with LSU last year in the postseason in the NCAA tournament. They scared the pants off of the coach over there at LSU, and uh, so again, they, they, those are the types of things that you give them credit for. You know, I saw them, and you saw them. Well, maybe I don't know if you did, but I had their game last week against Arkansas Pine Bluff, and they looked like they were. In, in quicksand, you know, for at the first half of the game, but then all of a sudden, you know, the cream rises to the top. So yeah. things things worked out for them. But when you look at what's happening in the uh, in the MIAC, in addition to uh, Norfolk State, as you said, they earned that number one spot. But then you have, you know, Howard University. Watch out for them. They're the defending champs, and uh, you know they are not going to lay down. They have. Uh, good, excellent players, Destiny Howell and the rest of that crew over there. They're going to do a fantastic job. And you're talking about preparing. If, I wish you can't see around me. <laughs> but I'm getting ready <laughs> to do the MEAC tournament. And, I mean, when you have to deal with eight teams and do 10 games in three days, 
uh, that's a lot of preparation. And I, in fact, when I finish with you guys, I'm going to be headed to Norfolk for the uh, uh, headed down and the tournament gets underway tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I love it. I need a picture in that mad room so I know what it looks like. All that paper everywhere. You think you have a lab? You should see this one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's what it is. Our co-host Mike Washington, he loves talking about data points, and you just gave one. Morgan State was hot, like you said. They had won nine straight conference games. Unfortunately, they fell hard losing for the last five, to your point. So when you get in that tournament, you came, gave us a little glimpse of some of the teams, Howard to watch out for, Norfolk State. Um, it was necessary enough to win it, but they kind of stubbed middle, and then they had that surprise late loss which gives me some question mark. You know, where do you think we sh should be looking at when we look at the women's side of the MEAC tournament? Well, mm. don't sleep on uh, North Carolina Central. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of people have slept wow. on. North Carolina Central is playing as well as I have seen them play in the last couple of years. Uh, they, are, they come into as the number four seed in the MEAC. So there's a team that you, you keep your eye on them. You know, we know about the Norfolk States. We know about what Morgan has done, and we know, know what Howard has done. But watch out for, uh, for this team from, uh, from uh, Durham, North Carolina. North Carolina Central, the Lady Eagles. You know, we've known what the men have done for years with Lavelle Moten as their coach. <laughs> but now watch out for the ladies. They're starting to make a turn and starting to, to put some numbers up. And that's a team – I'm gonna I'm gonna watch out. They'll play their first game on uh, Thursday. They'll play uh, Coppin State, and uh, Coppin State is another one of those teams. Laura Harper was the coach there last year. She left and went over to uh, one of the other schools. She played in the WNBA, one of the other schools over in Baltimore, but she didn't leave the cupboard bare, you know. So again, mm -hmm. that's that's the team to watch between those two. That could be the the sleepers of the tournament between Coppin and North Carolina Central. Go ahead, Charles. You want to follow up? Well, yeah, and I wanted to ask this question, uh, and you mentioned Destiny Howell's name earlier uh, with Howard, but, Charlie, are there players in particular that, uh, especially when you take a look at, at tournament play, uh, that could, a team can just kind of hop on their shoulders and ride them on, through this tournament? There, there are a number of players on, on both sides of the, of the spectrum, in terms of the men and the women, that uh, can get it done. When you look at this Morgan State team, and I'm just looking at Something and you got uh, Janiah Henson, preseason uh, second team All Conference selection. You know that's a young lady that you 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 need to pay attention to. Also, they have another young lady over there by the name of Charlene uh, Charlene Shepherd, and then there's Taylor Addison. I mean, those are the the type of people that will that put you over the hump. Uh, we talk about years ago, right? and State and how they had great players, Rashida Subers and people of this nature. You have those same type of players that are existing today on the ladies' side in the Mideastern Athletic Conference. The same thing is happening with the, with the Southwestern Athletic Conference. I mean, you look at Micah Gray, you know, even though they're not making it to the tournament this year. This is a young team, six freshmen on that Texas Southern team, nine new faces this year. And I yeah. thought Coach Skeet did a fantastic job. And when you look at their losses, I think they lost eight or nine games in single digits. Yes. So that means they were not getting blown out. They they were losing. Yes, they were, but they were not getting blown out. So you know, the, the, you know, a couple plays here, there, a couple less turnovers, a couple more made free throws, and they may win those games. 
But this is a team that coaches need to be paying attention to because they're young in three years, two, three years, next year possibly, we'll be sitting here saying, I told you so. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. I love it. Let's the swag and see if we can find on the women's side, then we'll take a break. We'll come back, Charles, get on the men and, and have you follow up with some more questions there. Uh, into, in terms of the women's side of the tournament, obviously most people are going to put their chips on Jackson State. Rightfully sure. so. Play sure. really good. They won the conference four straight years. So it's not like this is a team that doesn't play. Yeah, they lost a key player, but, but they are not in the component where they like uh, right. rebuild. They just keep trucking. Reload is what it seems right. they're doing. Talk a little bit about the SWAT tournament. Who are the teams to keep your eyes on, uh, even though a lot of people may be focused on Jackson State? Everybody's going to be focused on Jackson State. The team that could, that possibly could give them the most problems. We know they their only loss came to Prairie View early on in the season. And, of course, you know, Sandy Pugh, she knows how to win. She's been around the SWAT for a long time, having been at Southern and then coming over to Prairie View. Uh, that's a team to watch out for. But the th I think the team that matches up size-wise, as you know, this Jackson mm. State has uh, six players that are over six feet tall. You know, <laughs> so uh, that that's quite a quite a, uh, a lineup that they have there. Is is Arkansas, Arkansas time Bluff probably matches up with Maori Davenport <laughs> and, and those, you know, in terms of size. Uh, now the other thing is you look at quickness. You look at teams that can can give you some issues and give you some problems. And you look at that Southern University. Watch out for Southern University. They're there. They're ranked number four. And they've got to get by Prairie View, who's the fifth seed. Well, I didn't mean ranked. I meant seeded number four. Uh, and they've got to get past the number five seeded Prairie View team. Uh, that would be, I think, that game they play on Thursday. But you know, other than that. You just never know. Like you said, you have one of those great days. I mean, I, I remember years ago doing the MEAC tournament, Florida A&M men came into the tournament at the, at as, as low as you could get. <laughs> you couldn't get any lower. If there were if there was a hundred if there was a hundred seeds, they were they were ninety nine. You know, and they won right. the whole tournament, NCAA tournament. So it's a it's yeah. a one game elimination. All the team has to do is get hot. Yeah. One. Game for two games and they're they're there you know and all you have to do is have a letdown one of the things i think coach reed has done a very good job to make a read over jackson is keeping those ladies head focused in the right direction because when you're the champion as you know this is three years in a row that this is the fourth year in a row that they won the regular season the third year possibly that they could win the swag championship so when you're on top, what happens? Everybody's going to bring their A game. They're going to come after you right. with everything. That. So it's in, it's in, imperative that the coach makes sure she instills that same uh, message to them to let them know, you know, nothing is a give me. Don't go out there just think because we, we won three in a row or four in a row that, you know, we can just walk over people. It's, it doesn't happen that way. And it, it showed early in the season when they lost the purview. You know, because I had them the next game. They lost the purview in purview, and I had the next game with them uh, when they were playing Texas Southern in Houston. And you know, they were very, very upset because that snapped a thirty-seven game winning streak. You know, they were right. they were fire. And uh, so again, like you they said, were on fire. 
it's anybody's tournament. Uh, you, who's the number eight seed going in? Grambling. Watch out. Grambling yeah. is not a bad team. <laughs> Grambling is not a bad team at all. And they scrappy. Yeah. Well coached. Yeah. Very, yeah, very scrappy, very well coached. And, you know, of course, it's going to be tough for them to get by Jackson State, but they could. And if they do, watch out. Yeah. I, I think to your point, Charlie, uh, Coach Reed, she does a masterful job of keeping that Jackson State team sharp. Uh, but loops, uh, there's a fine line in between, uh, uh, you know, having that killer instinct and kind of keeping the team loosey-goosey. She does a tremendous job with that. And that's uh, one of the reasons I think they've been as successful as they have been over the past three years. And they have they have some young ladies that work very well together. I mean, we you, you uh, I, I don't know if you saw the game we did last week in Arkansas, Pine Bluff. Like I said, they came out like they went quicksand, but they, they got it together. You know, uh, uh, the little guard that they have there, Covington, you know, she had had a big game just the night before or the game before that where she scored a season high 25 points, you know. And again, but they they she she moved the, the pieces around. It was like mm -hmm. a chess game. She knew how who to put in at the certain times uh, and they responded. And the young lady who really has impressed me this year, the only thing she needs to work on more so than anything is her free throws. Daphne White, you know, yeah. she is strong inside. And she was working against those two big girls from from uh, from Arkansas Pine Bluff. They had her double team down low in the box, and she was still getting the ball and putting it in the basket. So, I mean, that that toughness that they have and played, you know, she came from, she was played at the university in Houston there for a moment before she transferred over to Jackson State. And uh, she has really come on strong uh, here lately. She, I think she has like five or six double-doubles so far this season. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, I told you we call it the legend for a reason. We'll be right back on the break. We'll come back and talk about the men side of the tournament. and swag. You're getting information that you can't get quite anywhere else unless often you – uh, go to HBCU, go and check it out as he's doing the game. <laughs> with that being said, stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. The human voice has always connected audiences with experiences. Major brands all across America have trusted Kevers Voice time and time again. Conversational, powerhouse, intelligent, and sincere. That's the voice you need for your creative marketing process. K-E-A-V-E-R-S-V-O-I-C-E dot -E com. Covers Voice, Covers Voice, CoversVoice.com. Always on, all the time. Are you hungry for authentic Caribbean food? Like jerk, chicken, oxtail, red snapper, shrimp, tofu, and rasta pasta? Well, find your way over to Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Pika in downtown Atlanta. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, open daily from 11 a.m. to 10 p.m. And on Friday and Saturday, we're open till 4 a.m. Come to Mango's and put some spice in your life. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant, 180 Auburn Avenue, right next to Royal Peacock. In downtown Atlanta. For more info or directions, call 404-698-3992. Or log on to mangoscaribbeanrestaurant.com. For instant coupons, text M-A-N-G-O-S to 313131. Mango's Caribbean Restaurant. Authentic Caribbean cuisine. 
you're looking for the latest information on Southern University sports, the Southwestern Athletic Conference, and HBCU athletics, there's only one place to go. Tune in to the Carlos Brown Show, exclusively on the Black College Sports Network. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they're going to tell you if your team, if they want to allow that and who the ball, ball. So listen to Professor Yes Sir and pay attention because he's going to teach a lesson. This is Dr. Bill with Inside the HBC Sports Lab with Mike Washington and Charles Bishop. We have Charles Bishop joining us with uh, Charlie Neal of HBCU Go, play-by-play, Hall of Famer, legend in so many different ways. With that being said, we're breaking down just for you. We're looking at the MEAC SWAC tournaments that begin tomorrow. Top eight teams are in it for that automatic bid to the NCAA tournament. Put on your dancing shoes. It's that time. I think more so on the men's side with how some of these games was close this season and maybe what we saw on the women's side that we talked about in our last segment. Uh, you talked about a team getting hot. And it's not only the team getting hot, but the thing being that number one or that number two seed, being a one-bid league, as you get down to the stretch in those games and you're not having the lead or having the success, that weight really starts to feel like an elephant to me in a lot of ways. But let's look at the top five. We'll get Charlie Neal's thoughts on that, and then we'll go back to Charles and Charlie in regards to what do they think about the MEAC and SWAC tournament. We'll start with the SWAC tournament, and then we'll get into the MEAC to close out this segment. In the top five this week, nobody – there were some teams that jumped around in the poll rankings, so we'll see what you think about that. Nobody dropped out this week. Receiving votes. This may surprise everybody. i just letting you know how tough it is to be in the top five. Norfolk State Spartans are just on the outside. 68 points, 20 and 9. Great season. Wow. Out late in there at 9 and 4. Also behind them is Maryland Eastern Shore Eagles at 16 and 12, 8 and 5, 40 points. Southern Jaguars sit at 14 and 15. They really uh, fell tough. They really owned the first part of the season in the SWAC, uh, but have lost uh, going down the stretch, including their last game where they faltered. Bringing us to the top five. When you look at the top five this week, Tennessee State Tigers, 18 and 13, 10 and 8. They went on a run in the OVC. They had won uh, five straight games, then they won like seven of the last eight, but they lost the last two. It seems after losing that last game on the regular season, Southern Illinois, if you would, over there in terms of the Indiana, I should say, in that matchup, and just could not get it going in the first round of the tournament. Um, so they fall two spots uh, from number three last week all the way down to number five, 18 and 13, 10 and eight. And they're just holding on in the top five. Remember, Norfolk State is outside of it. They had 68 points. So Tennessee State literally is just in there with 69 points. And number four, uh, North Carolina Central Eagles. You talked about Coach Mouton coming on to the season. We know what he does in the tournament. Well, he seems like he's turned the key in that magic mission over there in Raleigh. Had a big win over Norfolk State team, uh, part of the two-loss uh, season to end it where it really looked like Norfolk State had a chance to win the conference, but no, they had to play the Eagles and then Howard at home, and Howard really took it to them. A game called on HBCU, I got to watch there in terms of that matchup. It was tough, but they sit at number four, 17 11, 10 and 4, 
Previous rank five, 71 points, so they move up a spot. Bringing us to number three, Howard Bison, 19 and 12, 11 and three, one first place vote, 80 points. Uh, move up a spot from number four. This team wins the act first time uh, in 30 plus years. You've heard the stories. Kudos to the Bison. I'm not sure mm. people thought they could get it done when they had that showdown against Nofos. They were at, her, at home and they had the bird <laughs> buzzing that I hadn't quite heard in a long time. Credit to the Bison over there in the MEAC because they were crying. Number two, Alcorn State Braves, 18 and 12, 15 and 3, three first place vote, 93 points. They hold the number two spot. Mm. Um, they win a share of the swag. Uh, they go into the tournament, though, as the number one seed as they defeated the number one team early in the season. Remember the week to week. Grambling State has been hot, 22 and 8, 15 to 3. Tremendous non conference season. Hold on to the first place vote, seven. First place votes actually add one uh, as a vote was uh, missing from Tennessee State as they drop 113 points, 22 and eight. As I said, 15 and three, a share of the championship. They go in though the tournament as the number two seed. Top five programs: Tennessee State five, North Carolina Central four, Howard Bison three, Alcorn State Braves two, Grambling State Tigers a one. Grambling State Tigers close out the regular season number one ranking in week number nine. This is the poll ranking, and obviously this was before the news that came out today that dropped that their second leading score is yeah. in a bit of a trouble. So we'll see what that means for the tournament. A lot of things going on there. Charles, let me uh, go to Charlie, I guess. First, what do you think thoughts of the top five poll rankings in week number I like nine? It. I, I, I like it. Uh, I like it because, I mean, you, you the way you broke yes. it down. Yes, you can't go. They can't say nothing to me, Charles. Look at, we can cut the show right here. Go ahead, Charles. I'm sorry, I got a little excited. I know. I, you know, I, I was <laughs> the only thing you could have flipped one and two between Alcorn and Grandma. Yeah, I agree with that. Uh, in in that sense, I did I did not hear about whatever issues that Grambling is having player wise, but you know, again. I've had a chance to see them a couple times this year, uh, both on the men and women's side, and uh, very impressed with the job that the, the both coaches have done with those right. teams uh, at, at Grambling. Because, you know, if you go back years and you talk about the Fred Hobbies and you talk about the Pat Bibbs, you know, you were used to the Grambling being one of those dominant teams in the conference. Then, you, then there was a while that it was Jackson State and Alcorn. You know, with Dave Whitney and and uh, the coach down at uh, down at oh, Jackson, uh, yeah, old Cub, Coach Cub, uh, and you know, then the women, same thing with Alcorn <laughs> and, and uh, Sadie, uh, Sadie, 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 Sadie McGee down at Jackson State, and and then of course, you know, Shirley Walker at Alcorn. So the the the, the rivalries and the matchups. Uh, are starting to raise their head, once, and you can see that as you go through the season. I mean, you know, because because Arkansas, Pine Bluff, and the Alabama States are fairly new when it comes to the SWAC and and those type of rivalries, especially with basketball. But uh, I, I like what I saw there with Grambling. I like Alcorn in there. Uh, Coach Bussey has done a fantastic job. Howard University is a team I've seen them a couple, not uh, three times. I had a chance to do three of their games this year. Uh, nice. And there that uh, is you, you, Coach Blakeney has just done a fantastic job with, with the, the talent that he has 
with his guard. They have a young man, a freshman on that team uh, named Shai Odom, uh, who reminds me mm-hmm. so kid who they had last year who graduated, Randy Bruma, yeah. who, who left yeah. here. He's playing over in Europe, I believe, right now. But uh, I like this kid, Shai Odom. He's freshman. You know, uh, had a talk call call with the conference office a couple weeks ago, or a week, a week and a half ago, and we were talking about who I like for different positions as rookie of the year and player of the year and this and this, this nature. And Shai Odom was my choice for freshman of the year, just like I pushed for Michael Ooh. Gray to freshman of the year in the athletic conference on the on the women's side. But but the the player of the year in the in the uh, in the MIAC is going to be very interesting because you have uh, Bryant from Norfolk State who was the defending player of the year from a year ago. But there's a kid up at Grant up up at uh, Coppin State named Sam Sessoms. Mm. He's, he's been doing it. I mean, he's been setting the conference on fire. And you look at if you look yeah. at the statistical category for Sam Sessoms, he ranks just about every somewhere in the top ten. In every statistical category, whether it's scoring, rebounding, block shots, you name it, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> done a fantastic. Stuff. Yes, uh, very much so. Yeah. yeah, good stuff. Good to, to Charles. What do you think about the top five in week number nine? Top five week number nine. I, I, I like the top five. Uh, I think one thing that jumps out uh, with me with. Both the, the MIAC and the SWAC is the parity this year. Uh, it is really tough to call, especially going into uh term of play. But I and what what I really take a look at is the the top five teams, top top five teams in the MIAC. Uh, you can make a, a hard case for any one of them uh to make a run in this tournament. And, I, and I'm really curious, Charlie, uh teams such as Morgan State and Maryland Eastern Shore. They've uh Maryland Eastern Shore had a seven-game win streak at one point in time in the MIAC. Uh, uh in terms of looking at what they could do in this tournament, uh, can you see some early upsets in in the MIAC and in the SWAC? I really do see upsets in the uh, in the MIAC. Uh, you just mentioned Maryland Eastern Shore. Here's a team that's been dormant for a long, long time, and they had, like you said, they went on that seven game winning streak. They played some tough games this year. They played Columbia. They beat them. They beat Temple on the road. You know, mm-hmm. so they, you know, they didn't. It was no. Uh, no gimmies to them. And their coach has done a fantastic job of getting them ready for the tournament. I think that's a team that you can watch. Coach Waterman, Delaware State has really struggled this year, struggled early on, but they have won more games this year than they won in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. uh, the men and the women's side. So watch out for Delaware State. They're playing North Carolina Central, two number seven, two, uh, number two against number seven. But don't put Delaware State down. You know, that's one of those teams that – you know, if you look by them or past them, they'll come around and, and they can beat you. Coppin State is another one. You know, uh, Juan Dixon has struggled with his team this year, but he's got that kid, Sam Sussums, and he's got Tark, who was on the team. His brother was yeah. uh, playing here uh, a couple of years ago. Now, you know, you've got two real uh, uh, dominant players on that Coppin State team. They play Norfolk State, and they played them on Thursday, and the place will be packed down at the scope because that's that's a Norfolk crowd down there. <laughs> They'll be in there to watch Norfolk State and Coppin State. And that's a game, you know, Coppin is number six, but, you know, that that record is not indicative of the type of team that Juan Dixon has. So you watch out for them. Of course, Rob Jones, you know, he's been there before. He's won a couple, you know, tournaments for the MEAC. And so he's not 
a stranger to this type of competition. But we'll see what happens down the stretch. But that's one of the the, the games I want to watch on. And like you said, you're talking about on the on the SWAC side, you got the Prairie View Southern game. Texas Southern. I mean, mm. you know, this is a team, again, this is I brought this out with the with the women. It's the same thing with the men. You know, a number of the games that they lost this year were in single digits. And they played close. They played a very good game, close game against Prairie View uh this past Saturday down in, in Prairie View, Texas. And uh I mean I like what Johnny Jones squad with Walker and all those kids there. But then Will Douglas, you know, he had the game of his life on Saturday. So, you know, it, it's <laughs> one of those type things. And that's a heck of a rivalry between Texas Southern and Prairie View. Uh, but watch out. Prairie View could come out and knock off Southern University. You have Grambling and, and Jackson State going against each other. You know, um, uh, I'm sorry, it's not Grambling, Jackson. It's uh, Grambling and Bethune-Cookman going against yeah. each other. So you never know what what uh, Bethune Cookman's going to do. You know, Reggie Theus does a very good job with his team. Like you said earlier, Charles, a lot of parity in the conference right now, and it's very easy to say, uh, okay, this team is dominant, and that team is dominant. Yeah, we know the Mississippi Valleys and some of those teams at the bottom have struggled a little bit this year, but the the fact of the matter is, these teams every single night capable of beating another team you know that that's what you have to look at and you don't don't sleep on anybody uh i like southern university i like grambling i like alcorn but i'm not i'm not in their corner as much as some people think i should be you know <laughs> like by alexander who's their assistant coach there's a good friend of mine in fact he we talk about once a week and he called me yesterday he said you know because he wanted to do the games with me over the MIAC. He did them the last 10 years with me. I said, well, if you lose, <laughs> you come on up, get a ticket. That's how Prince Junior, you talk about some of those legends, like Cy, a legend for the MIAC. He even had a stint over at Tennessee State. He's yes. now coaching all three of the Division One programs at some level, head coach and top assistant. Uh, it's great to see. Uh, you talked about some of those old-school coaches, uh, in the SWAC on the men's side and women's side. Um, obviously, staying in Mississippi Valley, Coach Strip, go over to Texas Southern that you talked about with Moreland. Boy, I tell you, it can it can get intriguing. And then Legends. the last years, obviously, you had Coach uh, Pettaway over there at Alabama A&M as he right. transitioned that program into the league. Man, it's amazing to kind of think about what's going on. But you yeah. talk about some of those stats and how close they are. I dropped a nugget earlier. Uh, particularly the Mac uh, in the SWAT, where you had 98 games played. 44 of those 98 games were decided by six points or less, 44.9%. Uh, I know you look at all your stats, so I had to bring something up to show you that I'm putting in my work um, in the last on this side, as you say. Uh, then 62, this was amazing to me, nine possessions. And the game that's played now with the three, that's only three shots. 62 uh, a game, 63.3% uh, mm -hmm. with that close in terms of three possessions to give you some indication when we say just how competitive the SWAT. And the MEAC on the men's side wasn't far behind that with 44-some percent uh, with a, a shorter number of teams or less number of teams. So that lets you know that this thing is wide open. So 
Keep yeah. your eyes on these games. Get your entertainment in. Uh, we've gotten you ready for these matchups as they start tomorrow. Final thing, Charlie, anything else uh, that we you want to leave us with in regards to uh, what's going on in some of these matchups? Well, I think it's going to be a fantastic tournament. Uh, and not only uh, the the, uh, the SWAC and the MEAC, but you have the SIC teams that are headed to their Division II playoffs. Yeah. Uh, they yes, sir. Out this past Sunday, uh, a couple of days ago, so they are getting ready to to go at it, and we want to keep an eye on them: Winston Salem, Virginia Union, uh, Tuskegee. You know, all on the men's side, uh, going out there to try to bring some recognition and, and some wins back to their wow. schools and conferences. So I think that's very important to keep them keep them keep a watch on them. No doubt, and keep an eye on Tuskegee and the NAI. Yes, yes, right. Yep. They won today to kind of start yeah. things off, as we yeah. talked about earlier. Great point uh, when you're talking about really the vast number of programs that are playing at this time of year when it really counts, meaning they're playing good basketball. Man, it's been a pleasure. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, I'll did. be up that way for Wednesday and Thursday, so uh, hopefully we can catch up. I can pull your brain a little bit. Maybe we can find time to get something to eat uh, and, and take it down. I know we got a lot of basketball to catch this weekend as well. <laughs> Fine time. And it'll be on me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You'll have two meal right. tickets. We'll stick with us. We'll be right back after this break. As we let Charlie go, we'll come back on the other side. Stick with us. Thank you, guys. Thanks. I'm Fulford. A.B. Drew and I are co-hosts of the BCSN Sports Wrap. We talk about all things related to HBCU athletics. From the games, teams, coaches, and fan interest stories, we cover it all. You can find our shows on Facebook at BCSN Sports Wrap, YouTube at MyJBN Online, and everywhere you listen to podcasts like Anchor, Spotify, Google, and Apple Podcasts. You can also find the show on the Jericho Broadcast Network's app. Make sure to download. We look forward to you joining the conversation and being a part of the show. T. Madden & Associates is a sophisticated and experienced law firm located in your neighborhood. We're turning injury to cash. T. Madden and Associates obtained almost $2 million for my injury. They turned my injury to cash. Now, we can't guarantee how much your injury is worth, but we've recovered millions for our clients. Call T. Madden and Associates at 833-PAID-123. That's 833-PAID-123. Press the analytic data with your hip hop. If you know them like I know them, they gon' tell you if your team, if they want a lot, yeah, and who the ball, ball, So listen to Professor, yes sir, yes sir, and pay attention, cause he gon' teach a lesson. This is Dr. Ville inside the HBC Sports Lab. Hope you enjoyed our interview with uh, the legend Charlie Neal uh, as he broke down the MEAC SWAC and even uh, gave us a little spotlight in terms of CIAA and SIC as they get ready for the tournament as well. Um, obviously, when we talk about this, Brian, that's Brian of AD uh, Sports Rap, uh, gave another number. He said a storyline that he's picked out of the uh, tournament on the men's side. Uh, tournament is can Alcorn or Grambling, obviously, regular season co-champs, one or two seeds respectively, overcome the eyes of Texas, as they say. Mm. Uh, obviously, we live right here, so we've been able to live it and understand just how daunting it has been over the time. Um, not quite the same the last two seasons, at least in the regular season, but we'll see, does that mean the same thing for the tournament? Because check this out. 
A Texas school has won the SWAC tournament five consecutive years. <laughs> played in seven of the last eight. Yeah. Combined with that, a Texas school winning the regular season outright or coach at six of those eight years. Let you know just how much of a tug the Texas schools have had on the SWAC tournament, basically, if you would, over this last decade when you think about a 10-year span. With that being said, Charles, what is on your mind to kind of close out things? Because it goes live tomorrow. All yeah. the talking can kind of stop, and we get us some games in. We'll get some finals, and we'll be able to report. And we'll talk about, obviously, the final days as we pretty much come on. We'll have most of the field set. We'll have maybe two games that need to be played in the SWAT, uh, two games that need to be played in the uh, MEAC in terms of those Thursday evening games to see who will join these other teams in the semifinals setting things up for the finals on Saturday. What are your thoughts, man? Uh, I'll start on the women's side. Let me start on the MEAC side first. And uh, the storyline is uh, who can uh, knock off uh, Norfolk State. Uh, when you take a look at, uh, I, I think I asked Charlie about some of the players, and he mentioned uh, a players with, with North Carolina Central uh, that uh, that can actually a team can hop on their back, if you will, and kind of carry them uh, going forward. So I take a look on on, on the MEAC side of the ball in terms of uh, what are those teams that can get hot and and make this run in this tournament. I, I think uh, when you take a look at it on, on the MEAC side of the ball on women. Uh, there's a player in particular that I'm taking a look at with Norfolk State, Camille Downs. Uh, she is a tremendous basketball player. Uh, watched her, had an opportunity to watch her on a couple of occasions this season. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to what she can do in this tournament. Uh, on the SWAC side of the ball, the question becomes, uh, and I think Charlie masterfully touched on it, uh, who is a team that can catch Jackson State on the right day? Jackson State undoubtedly is the hottest team in this tournament. They've won 14 in a row. They are a very dominant team. But Charlie mentioned it. UAPB, interestingly enough, they really kind of match up with Jackson State. Uh, they have two bigs down low that uh, they uh, that really uh, have given Jackson State fits at times. So, and, but I, I and I give Jackson State this credit with regards to uh, what I call their ability to break teams' momentum and their and their little five seven zero spurts. Over three years, I've watched them do this, where they get a defensive stop. They get a bucket. They get another defensive stop. They miss a shot, get a rebound, get fouled. All of a sudden, it's a 5 0 run. And I can't tell you how many times I've watched them do this where they've been in quicksand, like Charlie mentioned, and somehow dig themselves out of, out of quicksand by just playing great defense. So those are the things that I kind of watch with Jackson State. But we've seen it. You, you and I have seen it, Dr. Bill. Prairie got hot, and they were able to ride that momentum. So who is a team that can get hot? and ride momentum? Is it UAPB? Is it Alabama State with two all-swag uh, first-teamers? Or, or is it a team like Southern? He mentioned their quickness. They don't have a, a player on the first or second team, but they play very well together. They play good team basketball. And all these teams, they can get some momentum and challenge you down the stretch. So it'll be interesting. On the men's side of the ball, I mentioned it earlier. I would throw in Alabama A&M also on the women's side. Great Alabama A&M, yeah. And as you say that before you get into men, just to break it up a little bit, I like what you mm -hmm. talked about in terms of the momentum, as Charles, Charlie said. Because you think about for the last five some matchups with Arkansas Pine Bluff, they've been able to play with Jackson State for like three quarters, certainly yeah. two and a half. But yeah. it's something about being able to close out. And with the preview game that they were able to win this year, Jackson State made that run that you talked about. But Prairie View was able to do just enough to answer that run 
and go down to close it. The other thing is uh, the turnovers. Jackson State at times will let you play with them a little bit if you turn if they turn the ball over. Can you make them pay when they turn you over? Sometimes when they turn the ball over, teams don't necessarily make them pay. So if there is any stretch of inclination, as you said, those are the things. Pine Bluff with the height. Southern with the quickness. Alabama A&M with the team ball, mixing it with the cutters. Prayer of you being able to get those cutters. Uh, having a couple of players really go off shooting well from the three and That's taking the advantage of the turnover. Those are the things that you got to kind of see. The magic potion that will make it close. I don't see it, but you're right. We're talking about what are the things that will allow it to happen if it happens. Yeah. Go ahead and turn us to the men's side. Uh, Swag Miak, what are your thoughts? Yeah, uh, and, and real quick with the women's, that's the analytic that I'm really looking at this weekend. Who shoots the three ball? Uh, in, in terms of uh, can you, like you mentioned it, can you answer that 5 7 0 run that inevitably Jackson State is going to go on? Uh, turn attention to the men's side of the ball. And again, it's parity uh, that makes it so difficult. Uh, to really kind of predict uh, what's going to happen in the MEAC or the SWAG tournament because I literally take a look at Howard Central, Norfolk State, Maryland, Eastern Shore, and Morgan State. <laughs> Those top five teams all have an opportunity to make a run, especially when you take a look at Maryland, Eastern Shore, and Morgan State. Uh, at various points this season, they have been on top in the MEAC. So uh, can they take that one player and get on their shoulders and ride that momentum to knock off a team like Howard? On the SWAG, that one versus eight, matchup scares me with Grambling and Texas Southern. Texas Southern, I think, still a down season. Well, the one, one versus eight is actually uh, all corner. All corner Texas, Texas Southern. Southern. I'm sorry. All corner Texas Southern. Texas Southern actually has the pieces that can make a run in this tournament. Down season, but we've seen at times they play Texas Southern basketball. They haven't been able to put it together all season. Can they put it together here in this tournament? Another team, keep an eye out for them. Jackson State has gotten hot down the stretch. They've won four in a row. They have great guard play, and they have some bigs that have been playing really well down the stretch, and they rebound the ball a little bit. What bothers me a little bit about Jackson State, um, defensively, they're in the bottom half of the league, but they've been playing good ball down the stretch. So those are a couple of teams keep an eye out on, and undoubtedly, when you have championship pedigree, you can make a run in the tournament. Prairie has championship pedigree. I do not count out the Prairie and the Panthers. I think they can make a run in this tournament as well. Yeah, if anything, you kind of like that 3-6 matchup. They both played close. They split, but those games have both gone to the wire, just letting you know how close those teams are. One thing that you that I like with Jackson State has been able to do late, they've been able to close some games. They've been able and to close. just those numbers yeah. I gave you with the games being close, you need some folks that are comfortable about closing out games. Prairie View lost a lot of close games early in the season, but second half, they've been able to close games. So you're right. Those are the same things, and I'm looking for the pedigree of Texas Southern, the way they built. Grambling obviously can play so many different styles. Yeah. Uh, will that hurt them in the tournament when you need to see that? And then obviously with the thing that came out of the news, tough to hear that a young man has did that to somebody and they have to go through it. But yeah. what does that do with the rest of the team? Obviously he didn't play in the last matchup knew it was coming. Maybe they can galvanize and play for each other. We'll see what that looks like. But now you got Bethune-Cookman, old coach Diaz. He's been in that tournament match, so he knows kind of pull those buttons. They have guard play over there, Bethune-Cookman. They have guard play. Fits. Yeah. Um, 
right? Um, interesting to see what they can do going to the tournament. That two seven matchup is fascinating for me in regards to what you look at, and then you talk about the MIAC. Oh man, some of those matchups are just wild. Howard of South Carolina State. Don't see much there, but then obviously North Carolina Central and Delaware State. You get in that Norfolk State, Coppin State, interesting with session. There's just uh in some people's minds, the play of the conference plays so many well ways. Norfolk State struggling down the stretch. Can they get it going? Obviously, they're gonna have the home crowd, they're gonna be lathered up, and they want to make a statement and make amends of probably what they think about it, letting go of a regular season championship in terms of pedigree. And then you had that um Maryland matchup with Maryland Eastern Shore and Morgan State Bears. It started off the season so hot. Can they get some of that back? Obviously, injuries. But it's going to be fascinating when you talk tournaments, men's and women. I'm fascinated to see that. Let me throw out so a couple names. Go ahead. Throw out a couple of names to keep an eye for in the swag tournament. P.J. Henry. We saw him with a 40-point game <laughs> against Alcorn. Dominic Bruton at Alcorn. Another score. John Walker III. He is a matchup issue. Uh, for teams because of his length, six nine, he can put it on the floor. He can shoot the uh, he can shoot the three, or he can go down on the block. So uh, there are some players to keep an eye out for in this swag tournament. I'm really looking forward to. I like that. I like that. Thank you for listening inside the HBC Sports Lab. As we come to a close, make sure you share our podcast with your friends and colleagues. I am Dr. Kenyatta Cavill, the dean of HBC Sports, coming from inside the lab in the College of HBC Sports with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop. Obviously, I hope you enjoyed our guest, Charlie Neal, HBCU Go, the legend that has called so many HBCU sports games, both football and basketball, and many games when you really break down his uh, legendary play-by-play uh, -play calling. Again, we want to thank you for listening to Dr. Bill's Inside the HBCU Sports Lab with Mike Washington, Charles Bishop, every Tuesday and Thursday. I'll be back on Thursday. I'll be on the road. I'll give you updates from Norfolk. I'll start there for two days. Fly back into Birmingham for the SWAC tournament. So I'll be able to give you some insight of being on the ground. Um, so we look forward to going on the road and giving you a show uh, as we do. Uh, with that being said, we look forward to, to Thursday to give you the latest uh, news. We'll give you some updates on the NI tournament. We told you about talent. Excuse me, Tougaloo getting that big win. Uh, the Bulldogs there as they open the tournament. We'll give you some updates in terms of what that looks like for the Division II programs as they continue to get ready, uh, particularly for the N.A. Follow me, Dr. Kenyatta Bill, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Inside the HBC Sports Lab, one on Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. Inside the HBC Sports Lab, dream big. Continue to move forward. We will talk with you soon. Charles? Of course. Roy? Lecture. Dismissed.